Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Your number one hitter in both Roto and Head-to-Head points to this point in the season is Fernando Tatis. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, August 10th. Frank Stanfield alongside Scott White and Chris Towers. Guys, are you ready to eat your words on Fernando Tatis? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It, like, it, this is really hard. We were talking about this before the show. He played his 100th career game today. And that means we still don't really know exactly who he is. Like we know Fernando Tatis is awesome, an incredibly skilled baseball player. Uh, I think it is fair to say one of the best baseball players in in the league right now. Certainly one of the most talented. Um, he still has a 406 BABIP this season and a 32% strikeout rate, and he's like succeeding in ways that almost no one has. I mean, really nobody has no ever succeeded in this way, and that doesn't right. mean he can't do that. Like. Well, no, I like he can't be a 400 bat. I'm sorry. Not not year after year. I mean, we, yeah. we see occasionally a player will do that for a full season, but now we're asking him to do it for a second full season. But having said all of that, Fernando Tatis in the early going this season has done what we said he would need to do uh, if he was not going to regress. And that is he has shown better skills, especially with the batted ball. Um He's still striking out 32% of the time, but you know he's hitting the ball a lot harder on average right now, higher barrel rate, like all, all of those things. He is mostly earning the results when he puts the ball in play. And he's running, which we were worried he might not do all that much. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> what do you mean by good about it? About uh, having him as a bus pick. Yeah, I mean, we were all kind of worried about him entering the season because in Roto Leagues, you had to use a second-round pick on him. Yeah. But at the same right. time, Chris, we acknowledged that yeah. if everything goes right for him, that was the last time you were going to get him in the second round. Like, we knew that there was a chance he can perform like a top-five player. And to this point, I mentioned it. I mean, he is the number one hitter. He's batting three thirty-three, eight homers, four steals, 18 RBI, 14 runs scored. I mean, he is a five-category contributor in every single like, sense of the word. Uh, he's hitting, he's he's like Aaron Judge, but he's an elite base stealer right now. Like, that's what he's doing right now. He has a 97.8 mile per hour average exit velocity. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he has a 24% barrel rate. He has a 68% hard hit rate. Like, he is hitting the ball better than anyone in baseball right now. Scott. And, you know, if he can keep doing that, it's not going to matter that he doesn't hit the ball as much as yeah, you I mean he's not like he's over. He's still overachieved to this point in this season. I feel confident saying the disastrous, the disaster scenario. Yeah, I was afraid would happen is not going to happen. He's probably going to live up to his ADP. I don't. I don't feel bad about calling him a bust because I think the risk relative to what you were paying for him didn't add up for me, and I, I don't think that process was a bad process. You know, you're giving up other second round talent to get him. Uh, that was dangerous. That was dangerous. There's always a possibility it could work out. It appears to have worked out despite calling him a bust. I managed to get him in a couple leagues myself just because I don't know, I guess some others were nervous about him too. And he fell to a point where I was like, all right, the risk is worth it to me. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't regret the call. It, uh, looking back on it, I don't think it'll be, I don't think we'll be thinking of it as a good call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like my Shane Bieber bust call, uh, where 
for me, that was as much about saying he was a bust as just highlighting the things about his profile. Like if Shane Bieber remains an elite strikeout guy, he's going to not be a bust, but he does have that flaw in his game that he gets hit too hard. It's just, he may be good enough that it doesn't matter. And that happens all the time. It seems like it might be early to ask a question like this, but Tatis has played 15 games, so he is a quarter of the way through the season. At this point, Scott, if you were redrafting today in a Roto League, how many hitters would you take ahead of Fernando Tatis? Oh, it's difficult to say off the top of my head. I'd have to stack them up. Um, uh, probably, probably like a dozen. I'd probably still take like a dozen ahead of him. A dozen hitters or just a dozen players in general? Uh, players, I mean, probably like, no, hitters, probably like 15 players total. Um, you know what? Let me look at where I had him in my most recent trade chart because that would probably... Yeah, because I was uh, going to say, if you have 12 hitters ahead of him, that means like nothing has really changed for you because he, that would put him probably, yeah, that like, would be probably well, right in the early to mid-second round in ADP. Right. I had him more like an early third rounder in my own rankings, though. Okay. So I wouldn't say nothing's changed. It's just, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not somebody who after 15 games is going to completely turn his rankings upside down. Uh, I, I don't think most people are. And th- this is the really difficult thing about this season because yeah. a lot of people say, well, you don't have time to wait for someone to turn around. And that is true, but that amount of time doesn't change their likelihood of turning it around. If you believe that Fernando Tatis is really an 840 OPS hitter, this like the fact that he's gotten off to this start shouldn't really have changed that any more than it would have in the first 15 games of a previous season. Like I think there are probably some situations where like, like Christian Yelich did talk before the end of camp that he didn't feel like he was, um, you know, fully up to where he would normally be. Maybe there are reasons like that to change, but like for the most part, you should still treat this like 15 games. And for some teams, even less than that. All right, we'll move away from Tatis for now, and I'm sure we'll talk about him a ton for the rest of the season, but there was a lot to get to from over the weekend, so let's jump right in, Susan. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm going to stick in San Diego and get us started with uh, the oh, my goodness gracious player, and it's Denelson Lamette. I mean, we had an idea of what his upside could be. It seemed like some people might have been a little more excited about him around the industry than we were, uh, especially based on early ADP, and then he kind of settled in as like a mid-round pick. You can get him as your SP4, your SP5. But Lamette today against the Diamondbacks, six and two-thirds, one hit, one earned run, zero walks, 11 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. And looking at his profile, whenever anyone throws the slider as much as, you know, Lamette does, I think our minds automatically go to like Patrick Corbin. And his profile is very similar, and it's it might even be better. He's not a better pitcher than Corbin yet because he throws so hard. But it's four-seam, it's two-seam, it's slider. That's exactly the, the same pitch mix as a Patrick Corbin. Scott, how good is Denelson Lamette right now? This is the deepest he has gone into a game. He has not allowed more than one earned run in any of his starts, but it's nice to see him get some distance today against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think he's turning the corner. I think he is. I, I, you know, from from now till he gives me a reason not to, I'm considering him must start, which may seem obvious, but that's not where he was at the beginning of the season. And I wouldn't put, you know, more than thirty or so pitchers in that category. So he's he's joining them. We knew he had this kind of bat missing potential, but we weren't really sure if that two pitch mix would. You know, because the ERA was actually kind of high last year, and he didn't have a great, he didn't have much of a track record. Uh, with the time he missed for Tommy John surgery, but I just like it's it's working. It's continuing to work, and it's working better than ever. And yeah, I think he's I think he's in that must start category now. I'm I'm really upset that I made such a wrong call. Apparently, because like him and Matthew Boyd are the same pitcher, basically. Like one's a lefty, one's a righty, but everything else about them is pretty much the same thing. And I have a lot of Matthew Boyd, and I don't have any Denelson Lamette. And 
Boy, does that look bad right now. Um, Don't worry. I'm right there with you, Chris. <laughs> I still think Denelson Lamed is very much the same guy he's kind of always been. And like obviously, the, the sample size isn't huge there. But he is the kind of guy who I would generally, if someone was going to underperform their peripherals as a pitcher, his profile is the kind that would do it um, because he is so susceptible to the home run ball. He is susceptible to... Uh, walks and you know I, he's had some split issues as well and and he has two pitches you know it's it's a really tough profile to succeed with and so I, I'm still a little skeptical of it. That is fair. I mean, the difference that I would make between him and and Boyd is that Boyd just really doesn't have a third pitch, and I Lament uses Lament doesn't either. That that I, according like, to Baseball Savant, he went four he, seam, two seam, and, and slider today. Oh yeah, I I don't cons- that is kind of my thing. I don't consider like four seam and two seam distinct pitches. Like they're they are, but when you're talking about the depth of a repertoire, yeah, having two fastballs is not the same thing as a fastball and a changeup. I agree. I agree with that, but that's why I, I compared it to Patrick Corbin because if you look yeah. at Corbin's pitch mix, it's, it's basically four seam, two seam, and, and slider. And the thing is, mm-hmm. Matt Boyd just doesn't have any uh, any form of a third pitch. He doesn't sure. have like a second fastball he can go to. The uh, the improvements we were hoping to see from like the curveball and the changeup just haven't been there for Matthew yeah. Boyd. So he's basically basically just slider with a 91 mile per hour fastball, and that's just not getting it done right now. So, uh, yeah, I, that's the biggest difference. I, I think I'm buying into Lamet right now. I haven't updated my ranks yet, but he's gonna be you know very he's gonna be inside my top 35, maybe even in, inside my top 30. So I'll make that adjustment. Um, Scott, who is your oh my goodness gracious player of either Sunday or the weekend, whatever stands out to you most? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sunday. Also, I'm gonna go with Nathan Avaldi, who had a Terrific start against the Blue Jays. He went six innings, did allow three runs because he gave up two home runs, but 10 strikeouts to no walks. And he had 19 whiffs in getting those 10 strikeouts. But beyond that, beyond just the way he actually performed was the the pitch selection for him. He's a guy who's always thrown hard, but like basically every pitch he has is some variant of a fastball. You know, you got the splitter, you got the cutter. They're all, they're all basically different kinds of fastballs. He didn't have a true off-speed pitch. And uh, that's always prevented him from meeting his potential. There was talk going way back to spring training about this curveball he actually introduced late last season. And, uh, you know, he finished the season pretty strong with it. Yeah, it was a true off-speed pitch. Hadn't seen much of it. Until this start, he threw the curveball 25% of the time, it got eight of those 19 whiffs and seemed to elevate the rest of his arsenal as, as a good off-speed pitch would. So, you know, right now it's a one-off, but it, like if that continues, Evaldi, Evaldi might become a big deal finally. So he's not somebody I'd... Uh, I'm not sure what his ownership... How old he is, but he's not somebody I'd let go unrostered. He is 74% rostered on CBSSports.com right now, and in three of his four starts, he's allowed two earned runs or less. Uh, the strikeouts haven't been anything like they were, you know, heading, obviously, in today's performance with the 10 strikeouts. Uh, I actually dropped Nathan Ovaldi for Christian Javier, so don't really feel too great about that right now, but well, <laughs> we'll see, I mean, see where Javier. it goes from here. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm still not sure what to make of Javier. He's a weird, weird pitcher. He is an extreme fly ball pitcher going back to the minors. So it's not surprising to see the A's hit three home runs off him today. And uh, you know, he didn't get many swinging strikes. He hasn't, even when he's the, the strikeouts have been there for him. It's it's just such a weird profile that had so much success in the minors, and it was you know, he shut down the first two major league lineups he faced, and then this happened, and it's like, well, is this his true talent level? Uh, you know, his next matchup, Christian Javier's, is against Seattle. So I'm going to extend the leash for that. If that goes poorly, though, he's he's probably headed toward Dropsville. Would you start him against Seattle or Nathan Avaldi at the Yankees this week, Scott? I'd start Javier. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that, too. Although I, I agree that Avaldi should be owned. Uh, Chris. Hey. Who is your, oh my goodness gracious, player of either Sunday or the weekend? Uh... I'm going to go with, how about Justice Sheffield? Someone who there was a little bit of hype around this uh, offseason, especially late in summer camp. 
And he got off to a pretty rough start his first couple of starts, but he did strike out seven uh, over his six innings today against the Rockies. And he threw his slider like 45% of the time. 41 of his 91 pitches were sliders. That was, uh, you know, that's been his best pitch so far. He got nine whiffs with it. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where if you're looking at someone like Justice Sheffield who just hasn't been getting results yet, that kind of uh, approach change is something that you could, you should keep an eye on um, because it, you know, it could be a key to unlocking something and, and making him a fantasy relevant pitcher. Justice Sheffield is rostered in 29% of CBS League. So he's kind of in that mix with some other starting pitchers that I was going to get to a little bit later on. But Chris, would you rather own him or Pablo Lopez right now? Like those are two pitchers that I know that you like. And Lopez is also owned in, in 20, uh, less than 30% of CBS Leagues. Uh, that's probably one where it would depend on what the next matchup is for each of them. And, you know, because neither one is going to be a guy, at least, you know, they would have to do a lot to prove that they can be someone you're willing to start against a tough matchup. And so, uh, you know, if you're figuring, trying to figure out which one of those you got, you want to add, it's probably going to come down to who they face next. So Sheffield, Sheffield is at the Astros, it looks like, and Pablo Lopez is against the Braves. So I know everybody thinks the Astros can't hit right now because their offense is not doing well, but like, and like, oh, trash cans, they're not, they don't know what pitch is coming, but like they still have the third lowest strikeout rate in the league. So it's not a good matchup and you should not be seeking them out. You should still treat them like the Astros. Um, mm. I would might have Jordan Alvarez back by then. I guys. wouldn't start either of those guys. Yeah. yeah <laughs> against those matchups. So, uh, who, who just has more upside in general, Chris, if you're just stashing one for upside? I think Lopez has more upside. Ooh. Yeah. I think the other one. Could be, yeah. I mean, it could just be. Look, I'm, I'm, I really like Pablo Lopez. Uh, he is a stallion, <laughs> Homer. Uh, he, but he, he throws harder, uh, and I think there's more margin for error when you throw harder. And uh, yeah, so that Justice Sheffield's velocity was down today on the fastball too. Yeah, just that wasn't great. Something to pay attention to: ninety point seven miles per hour on the fastball. He's normally it's, like ninety two. It's really about getting to the slider for Sheffield Him right. ditching the four seamer for the two seamer. It's just so he could get it over the plate more to get to his slider. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. even sure I care about how the fastball looks for Sheffield. Yeah. I mean, the zero walks is probably the biggest key to his line today. Seven strikeouts yeah. to zero walks is, is great for Sheffield. So a name that you're probably, I'd say put on your scout team for now, if you're just in a 12 team league, some news and notes. Oh, Chris, it was only a matter of time. I mean, John Carlos Stanton, remember all the victory laps on opening day. <laughs> Hamstring, Dunzo. Hopefully he's ready for spring training next year, Chris. The victory laps being Chris's. He took like eight victory laps, right? <laughs> Himself. Chris. All I'm going to say is the people who told you you can't draft Giancarlo Stanton because he's always hurt and he will never stay healthy were also the same ones who told you not to draft Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa, and you look really dumb if you didn't draft Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge right now. That's all. That's We're not going to talk about it anymore. He got hurt. That sucks. If you're happy that he got hurt... No, you're, no, you're I'm a, not. No, I'm just saying this generally like to all the people who like trolled me on Twitter and like responded with the news and like quoted me. like You're a jerk. Like, stop celebrating this guy's misfortune. He's one of the most exciting players in baseball, and we don't get to watch him. Like, that sucks. It does suck. And I am one of the people who also called Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa bus. So, Chris is clearly talking about me, but don't no, worry. I mean, look, there's still time. Lot, I, look, not, I'm not rooting for Frank, it. I'm not Frank, rooting for it, but I'm just saying there is still time. So, to I'm be not clear, gonna, Frank, yes. definitely not just you. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, Most there's a lot of people. fantasy analysts. Uh, look, in a shortened season, I was just, I was very weary of injury prone, if, if that's what you want to call it, but guys have who have dealt with multiple injuries over the past couple of seasons, I was I stand wary by my position. of those guys. There was value in drafting Giancarlo Stan. He showed that while he was healthy. Hopefully, this is just a short stay on the aisle. Yeah, we don't even know how long it's going to be. So, you know, two uh, weeks is not good in a season of this length, but two yeah. weeks will also go by quickly. Scott, are you interested less. in anybody on the Yankees? It seems like they're probably going to mix and match DH for now. Uh, yeah, Mike Talkman's Talkman, been playing yeah. a lot more, and he's not actually hitting well, but he has four steals. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> and he walks a lot. Um, Mike Ford started on Sunday against right-handed pitcher Charlie Morton. And you know I like Mike Ford, too. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, in five outfield, deep five outfielder leagues, I put in some big bids for Talkman because I do think, I do think the hitting profile is better than he's shown so far. And if he's going to run some too, I mean, in that lineup, why not? Like it's pop, like Aaron Hicks is off to a terrible start. So it's possible he gets phased out a little here too. It's just, yeah. And I like Mike Ford, like you said, but I don't, it's not as clear the avenue to, I, I guess, DH, but we don't know how long that would last. Yeah. There's, I think Talkman's probably the one to go after here. There's a w- weird thing with Talkman where he hit lefties a lot better than righties last season, even though he's left handed. And I don't know if that's something that they're going to like, you know, maybe try to play him against lefties, but it, it's always worth remembering that we're dealing with very small sample sizes for part time players and even smaller when you talk about splits with them. So, I am not convinced that he's like a, the left-handed hitter can, who can hit lefties really well. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I like the Yankees have some kind of weird magic where they turn these marginal uh, organizational prospects into really good hitters every single year. So uh, he is playing every day. You should probably add him. Yeah. Charlie Morton, I mentioned the name. He left Sunday's start with right shoulder tightness. Not great there. Uh, After the game, he told reporters on Sunday evening that he is, quote, not worried about missing much time. I would be very surprised (laughs) if he made a start this week. Uh, Yeah, probably. It's probably safe to say. And his velocity has been down all this time. You don't know if that has to do with the health of the shoulder or what. The, his previous two starts before today's were pretty good in spite of that. But the velocity has not recovered. Yeah, and I believe the velocity was up today before he left that start. I was watching the game, so he was hitting like 93 more consistently than I've seen before. But uh, it's still down from last yeah, year when he averaged 95, right? One of the weirder stories, uh, Zach Plesak was sent home by Cleveland after he went out with friends in Chicago Saturday night per Ken Rosenthal and Zach Meisel of The Athletic in the article that they wrote. uh, The pitcher will be quarantined for 72 hours and tested daily, and the team could take additional preventative measures, sources sources said, again, regarding Zach Plesak. Um, Chris, I feel like this is kind of up in the air right now as to whether or not he's going to start this week. I don't know that we will know by the time, like, your weekly lineups actually lock. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Uh, they forced him to rent a car and drive home from Chicago as well. So um, like, I, I will yeah. point out that they did this with from Mil Reyes during summer camp. Like they, they seem to be especially proactive with, yeah. about this, which is good. I mean, obviously don't want another outbreak in a team. And, and from Mil Reyes returned in very short order. Um, you know, obviously if place that during the 72 our quarantine test positive, then obviously he's not making a start this week. Yeah. It, they, I, I would probably expect him to start this week. Um, would, you still, need to. would you still start yeah. him, Chris? Well, I guess they're off Monday and Thursday this week, right? Uh, I believe they do have just five games. Yeah. So that would so be, he would have to pitch during the weekend series. And those two off days would give them the flexibility if they wanted to, to skip his turn in the rotation and keep everyone else on schedule. So it's yeah, possible, he, but like he is technically their fifth starter. He's been awesome. Yeah. And he was awesome this weekend. That's probably why he was out partying. <laughs> Cause he, uh, he's celebrating a good start. Yeah. Six shutout. He had innings. some friends in town. Apparently okay. he had some old friends that he knows in Chicago. who He wanted to hang out with stupid thing to do. Very uh-huh. stupid. Uh, he was very good. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes. Uh, his next star was supposed to come against the Tigers, so that stinks because that's a great matchup. Uh, six of but those it still may happen. Still, yeah. might, still may happen. Still may happen. It's tough. I, I, it's, real, it's the kind of thing we can't really answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you don't have an answer by the time you have to lock your lineup, uh, I think I'd probably stick away from it. Um, but given the fact that Two teams are already not playing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, as they were scheduled to. You may not have that flexibility. Yeah, I will say, so they don't play till Tuesday, so you'll have to make a decision by then in weekly leagues. So just pay attention. If we don't have news, I probably would not start him myself. You mentioned the names that, uh, the teams that are not going to be playing, Chris. And remember on Friday, Scott, we said, well, hopefully we come back on Monday and there's no, uh, there's no more, you know, positive COVID tests. Well... Uh, look what happened again with the Cardinals there. The positives are up. They're up to 17 total now, 10 players, seven staff members and their series with the Pirates, which was supposed to take place, I believe Monday through Wednesday this week yeah. has been postponed. 
So the the biggest concern there would be the what two straight days with no positive tests followed by a third with a positive test. Um, it, it could be a false positive, but that just that would seem to indicate that it was still circulating and uh, or that this guy was, you know, not symptomatic yet. It, like it, it's just this is always this is the kind of concerns that you're dealing with. Um, and they're like they haven't played in ten days, I think. You're, yeah, they've they have not played a game in August. You're they're, reaching a point where it's really going to be tough to make any of this up. I don't like. I just don't know what's going to happen. I was watching the uh, Sunday night baseball game, and I believe they said on the broadcast that if they were to return, if they were to return tomorrow, they had to fit like 55 games in in 48 days, and I, and that obviously that's not happening. So yeah, yeah and I, I I know when the Marlins were shut down for a while, there was this became a talking point and I, I think uh, I think the, the eventual conclusion was that some teams might just have fewer games this season than others, which happens during sometimes during regular seasons too. When you, you know, usually it's a case where the standings won't be impacted. So they don't make up a rain out and the team plays only 160 games or something, but uh, they may just have to go off winning percentage win. Yeah. Winning percentage. If it doesn't, uh, if the calendar doesn't allow for more than that but you know getting to a fantasy context obviously this means the cardinals are at most playing five games this week because they were scheduled for eight the pirates who they were scheduled to play first half of this week are only going to play four so really the pirates are the team that are definitively impacted to a degree that you probably don't want to use them but i don't think you can start anyone on the cardinals right right it's it's not a it's we can't assume the Cardinals will be back for that doubleheader against the Tigers on Thursday, and we can't assume they'll be back for their three-game series against the White Sox to close out of the week. So though those teams are impacted too. I mean, the Tigers are playing six games even if that doubleheader is canceled, so they're probably fine. The White Sox would have only three if their series against the Cardinals gets canceled. So uh, this is this is going to start causing. Like the the Marlins, I think at one point will finish the season with like a twenty seven games in twenty three days stretch, oh uh, or something wild like that with no days off. And this stuff is gonna. There's been a lot of injuries and a lot of closer issues and uncertainty all around, and this stuff is just gonna keep getting compounded. It's gonna be even more difficult moving forward to keep track of things than it has been so far, unfortunately. Madison Bumgarner was lifted Sunday due to uh, back spasms. I don't back spasms. I don't. I don't know. Well, maybe that is what he's dealing with, and that's why his velocity is down and why he's getting crushed. But four miles per hour. Like this is yeah. this is one that nobody can even victory lap. Like none of us wanted him this year, and it's not even like you can't even say you got it right because nobody thought he was going to be throwing eighty-seven. It's genuinely it, sad too because it's you can't someone say you got who's it right. who's been around. You can't. For so long. No, you can. You can. No, you didn't I, say. I, you I didn't take, say Madison Bumgarner was going to be bad because he was throwing to 87 miles an hour. You said he was going to be mediocre because he threw 91 or 92. That's a completely different thing. And because he was leaving sure. San Francisco. Yeah, but I can right, I right. Can, but still, even if he was in San Francisco and he was throwing 87, he wouldn't be good. So it like th- this is just it's a completely unforeseen circumstance. I mean, still, when I when I go back after the season and, and look at my sleepers, breakouts, and bust column, I just tally results. Look, Granky's throwing 87 right now, and he just threw a quality start over the weekend. So it's not impossible. Uh, Scott, would you drop Madison Bumgarner right now, who is 92% owned? Two games in a row where he's been destroyed, and yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he lands in the IL now with this back issue. Yeah, I don't see much reason to hang on to him. There, my, my, my one remaining hope for him was that, okay, he just needs more time to get the velocity back, but there hasn't really been any kind of improvement there and uh, absolutely can't start him, obviously. So it would, it would have to be like an NL only league. I think where I'm still holding on to him. Nick Goody has been unavailable the last couple of days due to tightness in his lower back. Rafael Montero picked up saves on both Friday and Saturday, just thrown right back into the fire. So uh, if you are desperate for a closer or if you need to spend some fab to get him, 
Uh, Rafael Montero looks like the guy. Corey Seager remained out Sunday because of lower back discomfort. Apparently, Dave Roberts said he is not considering the IL for Seager at this time. Uh, two players who did land on the IL this weekend, Mike Moustakis with a left quad bruise retroactive to August 6th. Josh Donaldson with a strained calf retroactive to August 4th, which kind of makes Marwin Gonzalez interesting because he's only 12% rostered and he has three different eligibilities, three different position eligibilities. Scott, I think if you lost Donaldson, I, I wouldn't mind just picking up Marwin Gonzalez because you get another player in the Twins lineup. Yeah, I mean, depending on the depth of the league, probably in those 15 teamers, you might not be able to do much better than that. But I, there's not there's not a lot of hitting skill there. The, the Twins probably aren't going to start banging on trash cans. I think it's the, <laughs> That's the appropriate way to put this. <laughs> that, that was the one year he was uh, like mixed league relevant. Yeah, yeah. The, year, the year of the trash can banging where he seemed to be getting among the most bangs. Last but not least, Max Scherzer is scheduled to make his next scheduled uh, start on Tuesday against the Mets. So finally, some good news regarding injuries. All right, we have a lot of performances to get to from over the weekend. So I'm just going to jump in. And with this first group of names, I've tried to like group all the names together and figure out what do we do with these performances? So Blake Snell has yet to throw more than three innings in any of his starts. He's gone 46 pitches, 53 pitches, and 59 pitches. Scott, I know his name is Blake Snell, and he just won the Cy Young two week, uh, two years ago. Not two weeks ago. But, I mean, I don't think you should be starting Blake Snell right now. A- until we kind of see him go at least five? I mean, they're just ramping him up so slowly right now, Scott. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the the performance in the three innings over the weekend was the best we've seen from him. And uh, so that's encouraging. He was originally in line for two starts, and so I probably would have started him in that scenario, two-start week, even if they're only three, four innings piece. But, uh, you know, whenever he's scheduled for one start like he is now, uh, you got to just keep waiting. You, you know, I think eventually he's going to become uh, somebody you want in your lineup every week, but it's it's happening slowly. Can't yeah, I mean, right now. The, the 59 pitches being the max is the even more because like he could have thrown four innings on 59 pitches and it would still be just as concerning to me because like 59 pitches, that's probably 30 pitches away from where he really needs to be maxing out to be worth starting in fantasy. Yeah. You know, prefer- he's got to give us at least 75 to go. I have any shot of going five innings. Yeah. I mean, no, like he's an inefficient pitcher. He always has been even, right. you know, the, the Cy Young season, he was, you know, still not throwing very many pitches and didn't average six innings per start. He's someone that, you know, to get to five or six innings, it's going to be really hard for him to do that if he's maxing out, you know, even halfway through the season at 85. Uh, and one other thing, because I, I did say I was confident he'll eventually become somebody you can rely on. I don't, I don't think the pitches have been ticking upward with any real consistency either. So that is, let me check here. 46, 46 53, 53, 59. Okay, that's... That's at least a trend. It's not a. Yeah. It's not a big jump from start to start. He's jumped. He'll get to. He's jumped thirteen pace. pitches in three starts. At least Walker Bueller today was up to eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at that pace, you know, if he continues that pace, Blake Snell will be at eighty-nine pitches in five starts. Still, I don't know what else you can do other than just yeah. hold Blake Snell. No, you got to sit him. Yeah. Uh, how about his teammate Tyler Glass now against the Yankees over the weekend? Two and two thirds, five hits, four earned, three walks. Five strikeouts. He now has eight walks in 11 and a third innings pitched. Last year, he was 2.08 walks per nine. Uh, In the three other seasons before last year, we know walks were a huge issue where he averaged at least 4.2 walks per nine in each of those seasons. Uh, Chris, this seems like an issue right now, and he's going into Boston this week, which is not really a daunting matchup because Boston is not really hitting either. Yeah, but he's... He threw 88 and one, threw 88 pitches in one start, and then 72 and 71 in the other two. So they're bringing him along pretty slowly and and handling him with kid gloves as well. And you know, well, one it, thing, it's a, it's a little different because he wasn't effective these last two starts. So I think it was no, the, just the, pulled. The, well, the second one was 88 pitches. So they did. Okay. He did throw a lot of pitches. There, okay. So. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, look, he might have just gotten pulled because he got pulled in the middle of an inning this time. He wasn't effective. Uh, it is worth noting. Um, that, you know, in those four games he came back for the injury from, he had 
five walks and four on 47 batters face. So that was like close to double the, the walk rate that he had before. It was obviously a very small sample size and we're still dealing with a small sample size. The problem with Tyler glass now in general, however, is even the successful stretches for Tyler glass now are very small sample sizes. Chris, would you start any of these pitchers that have good matchups this week? Single start streamers, Christian Javier against the Mariners. Would you start him over glass now? No. Framber Valdez against the Mariners. Who had a great start over the weekend. Nope. No, I mean, I like Framber Valdez. I think he's someone who should probably be added in, in pretty much every league if he's available. But no, I, I would still rather have Glass now. The upside's so much higher. Anthony DiSclefani against the Pirates. That's another one I'd rather have Glass now. It's gonna You're going to have to go pretty far up, I think, to, to get to where I, I would sit Glass now. Yeah, me too. Um, it's probably worth talking about Framber Valdez since we brought him up or should we wait do you want to wait until later nah, go, in the show, yeah Frank? you could you could jump right into it yeah Framber Valdez was um over the weekend against the Oakland A's in Oakland seven innings pitched two runs only one of those were earned one walk nine strikeouts nine so. strikeouts yeah he only had nine swinging strikes but I don't know that that's really the metric to focus on with him because his the, the biggest and best thing Framber Valdez does is get ground balls. His mm-hmm. ground ball rate so far this year is 55.1, which would have been the third highest among qualifiers last year. So we're talking extreme ground ball ability. And by the way, that's actually lower than his ground ball rate usually is. Uh, so it could get even better from there. Uh, he, it, it, when you're getting ground balls to that extent, you just you can't kill yourself with walks, which has been an issue for him in the past. You only need to be like an average strikeout pitcher yeah. to be a real asset in fantasy. And he's shown the ability to do that in the past. Obviously, he struck out nine in this game. Uh, Astro supporting cast. I mean, it could all go. There, there, was a, there was a stretch in the middle of se- last season where I had a couple starts like this, and I was banging the drum for him pretty hard, and it fell apart pretty quickly. And maybe it will again this year, too. But Mariners next time out, maybe this is the year he takes off. And he... To be clear, like strikeouts were part of his game in the upper minors. He had a 27% strikeout rate in double A and like a 31% strikeout rate in triple A. So, you know, it's possible that he's better than what he's shown in the majors in that regard, too. Scott, I thought that there were a, a few names that really emerged on the waiver wire in terms of starting pitchers from over the weekend. So I'm just going to throw all these names together and, and you tell me which one or one or two that you're most interested in adding right now. Framber Valdez was one of them. He's only 37% roster right now. Dylan Cease, five shutout innings on Friday. He goes up against the Tigers this week. He is 48% rostered. Chris Bassett, seven innings, one run against the Astros on Friday. He goes up against the Angels. He's 56% owned. Austin Voth against the Orioles this weekend. Uh, five shutout innings, five strikeouts. He goes up against the Mets. DiSclefani is someone we've talked about uh, a lot so far. And Spencer Howard made his debut on Sunday. Wasn't really great, uh, but obviously a hyped-up prospect. Spencer Turnbull, very good on Sunday. Seven innings of one-run ball. Uh, Pablo Lopez and Shoemaker. So Shoemaker, Lopez, Turnbull, Spencer Howard, DiSclefani, Valdez, Bassett, Cease, Voth. Who are like the two or three that you're most interested in? Yeah, there there are three that stand out to me above the others. Okay. And that would be Howard, just yeah. because of the the pedigree. Uh, big prospect getting called up and you know, so so debut, but whatever. There's a there's plenty of upside there. Let's take a flyer on it. Valdez, who we already talked about. And the third one for me is Matt Shoemaker, who Got 17 swat strikes in that start against the Red Sox. I liked him already. I liked him as an efficient pitcher who uh, seemed to get a lot of weak contact. And really, I don't think we've seen the full extent of his upside because since he became so splitter heavy, splitter being his best pitch by far, one of the best splitters in baseball. And since he became splitter heavy a few years ago, he kept getting hurt. So he's healthy now, obviously. He featured the splitter... High even by his standards in this start Sunday, and we see the result. He missed a ton of bats. If he's doing that, uh, like he's he's going to be a success. So those are three who I think you could pick up, plug in right away, and hope to get good results. Um, some of these others like Cease and Turnbull. Uh, not sure about Voth, but. You know, they haven't seen a lot from Voth yet. And then Bassett also. 
Uh, really, I'm, I mainly want to talk about season Turnbull. Like they, I feel like uh, I feel like it's been fool's gold for them so far. Like Cease having that matchup against the Tigers this week. Okay, I could see picking him up as a one-off, but I, his profile, especially, like it, it's going to depend on him missing bats, and he just hasn't done a lot yeah. of that, even as he's been decent the past two times out. Yeah, just eight strikeouts to six walks over his last two starts for Dylan Cease. Uh, Turnbull, another one, not really missing bats, but he's been efficient thus far. Uh, hasn't allowed more than two earned runs in each of his first three starts, but you heard it there from Scott. He likes Matt Shoemaker, Framber Valdez, and Spencer Howard was the other name as well. Uh, made his debut against the Braves on Sunday. Top pitching prospect for the Philadelphia Phillies. A few other... Pitching performances that I just wanted to mention, like, what do we do with these from the weekend? James Paxton on Sunday. I'm not ready to say that he's back. I mean, this was an interesting start. That's how I'll call it. A six and a third. Uh, he was he was shut out through six innings. He was great through six innings. And then kind of fell apart in the seventh where he allowed back-to-back homers, uh, but had 11 strikeouts in this game, 13 swinging strikes. Chris, his fastball velocity was up from his last start, but it was still just 92.3 miles per hour, yeah. which is down you know, almost three miles per hour from where it was last year. He was 95 last year. So would you use this opportunity to just sell James Paxson because he had one great start, or do you think this is a sign of things for him to come, like things are going to continue to get better as his velocity ramps back up? Uh, it, this is always the problem with these velocity questions, yeah. you know, is how much... and it. Like, is one start where it's where it's higher a sign that he's getting it back? Well, we won't know until his next start. That's the <laughs> that's the thing is it could be the same next start. It could be down. It could be up 0.3 miles per hour. Like, there's really the it is like even in the start where his velocity was up a little bit, he maxed out two miles per hour or a, a mile per hour lower than his average last season. So he's still very far away from where he needs to be. And he's always been someone who struggles keeping the ball in the yard, doesn't have the best control. Uh, I'm not sure he has the kind of command to survive at 92 miles per hour, um, or at least to thrive at 92 miles per hour. And uh, this start, I don't know what to do with it, frankly. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm still very skeptical, I guess, is the, the the easiest way I can put it. I'm still very much uh, a skeptic on James Paxton. It sounds like you're closer to if you own him, if someone in your league is buying this, use right. it as an opportunity to try and flip him. If someone wants to, you know, if someone in your league views James Paxton as still that, that guy who was worth the top 100 pick before the season, uh, I, I would be trying to move him, yes. And I'll I'll admit it could be I could be wrong, but... I think James Paxton's iffy enough already, even before the velocity's down, that I'm not necessarily all that worried about getting hurt by it. Scott, some studly performance from not so studly players. Well, some of them kind of are. I just again, I'm trying to lump all these players together. Masahiro <laughs> Tanaka, uh, five shutout innings, five strikeouts, only 59 pitches, but 10 swinging strikes. So Tanaka has looked pretty good so far in his uh, first two starts back. Aaron Savale, seven innings of one-run ball uh, against the White Sox. Frankie Montas, seven shutout with five strikeouts. Uh, Love the zero walks here. His last two starts, he has 14 strikeouts over 14 innings pitch. And then Merrill Kelly just quietly just continues to get it done. First three starts, three quality starts, 15 strikeouts, just one walk to start the season for Merrill Kelly. Which one of those performances were you most impressed by, Scott? Uh, most impressed by... Uh, I mean, Tanaka, I may be to a point where I'm starting him again, so that's probably the most actionable advice I could give based on these four starts. El Montas's splitter rate was... He threw it about as often as he did last year in yep. this start. So, you know, that's good. But that started in the previous start. Savale, he didn't give him any swinging strikes against the White Sox team that gives everybody swinging strikes. But we've seen that from him before this year, uh, him getting the swinging strikes. So I'm not freaking out about that. He seems to have a pitch mix that really generates weak contact. I, I still feel good about him after this start. Tanaka's probably the one that changed the most for me with the, the performance. 
Quickly promote a few things. Sign up for our newsletter, cbssports.com slash newsletters. You can sign up for the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter, the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Uh, Chris, I know that you're doing a lot right now with both of those. Um, yeah. And you have something coming soon for Fantasy Football, or are we not, are we not doing that yet? Well, uh, we, you mean the draft guide? Sure. Yeah, Tell Fantasy Football it. Today draft guide. Go if you're getting ready for your Fantasy Football drafts. Uh, we've put together a little... It's like a 32-page downloadable, printable guide that's got consensus rankings for PPR, non-PPR, half PPR, uh, positional tiers, strategies for from all of our experts where they actually tell you like what their five rules for drafting is, what their strategy, uh, and their sleepers, breakouts, and busts, and a round-by-round -round guide that will tell you everything you need to know about every player. So really excited about that. And Fantasy Football Today newsletter relaunching sometime maybe today. <laughs> I'm just being told, waiting to be told, and I'm really excited for that one. As soon as it's out there, I think it's going to be uh, an absolute must read for anyone who wants to keep up with fantasy football. And obviously, fantasy baseball today uh, gets the, the best work from these fellas and occasionally myself right in your inbox every morning. And along with listening to Fantasy Baseball today as part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, we mentioned Fantasy Football today. Uh, check out all of the CBS Sports Podcasts. First Cut is crushing it with golf right now. You have Pick 6 with Will Brinson and the crew. CBSSports.com slash podcast. Make sure you, you subscribe to all of those as well. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we have some more waiver wire. I want to talk about some deeper league starting pitchers. Uh, some hitters. Are they back? Jesus Aguilar. Is it for real? We'll talk about that here. Fantasy Baseball today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. I just want to look at some deeper league starting pitchers, some pitchers that have been pitching well, and just find out whether or not it matters. Zach Davies, yes, Zach Davies. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, zero earned runs, six strikeouts, against the Diamondbacks. Uh, he's changed his pitch mix this year. He's lowered his sinker usage like 15%, and he's using his secondary pitches more. Uh, his next start is against the, uh, the Dodgers. Don't think you want to use him there. Jake Arrieta, six shutout innings with six strikeouts against the Braves. Senzatella, Antonio Senzatella of the Rockies, uh, six innings pitched, three runs. Only two of those were earned. Um, he's lowered his fastball usage this year, and he's throwing his secondary pitches more as well. He's allowed two earned runs or less in all three of his starts. And then Kevin Gausman. Gosh, it feels like the fantasy industry has wanted him to be a thing for so long. But against the Dodgers on Sunday, six and a third, shutout innings, six strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 80 pitches. And of course, he got Kapler because he wanted to go deeper into the game and Kapler didn't let him. 
he was averaging 97 miles per hour on the fastball and 86 on his slider. Whereas in his career, that's been like 93, 94 on the fastball and like 83, 84 on the splitter. So, Chris, I'll go to you first. Gausman, Senzatella, Arietta, Zach Davies from over the weekend. Any interest whatsoever? More so yeah, for deeper so, leagues. Some interest, probably less so in everyone except Gosman, because I am a member of the fantasy baseball industry, and thus I am irrationally interested in Kevin Gosman. I thought he was going to be a potential ace. Uh, but look, he pitches half his games in San Francisco, throws hard, he throws that splitter a lot, and uh, he'll have the occasional good game. I, I, I will be starting him in one league this week. So there you go. Kevin Gosman, possible streamer. I think we're praying for you, Chris. I don't feel great about it. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) lie. He's been sneakily good all season. This was his third good start in a row. He's been missing a ton of bats. His, uh, I think he had 11 swinging strikes in this one, 15 combined strikeouts in nine and two thirds innings. The previous two starts, 14 swinging strikes and 12 swinging strikes in them. I don't know. I mean, he, this was the first start where he was allowed to go long enough to get a quality start. And to, I think it's going to get, you know, it was against the Dodgers. I think it's going to attract the most attention for those reasons. But like, there, th- this has been something I've been monitoring for a few starts now. And I think he's clearly the most exciting of this group. Yeah. I, I, I am keeping an eye on Antonio Sensatella. The odds are obviously against him pitching. <laughs> for the Rockies, but his curveball was getting some hype back prior to the season. Of course, he's a Rockies pitcher, so I wasn't really caring, but it's been his best pitch. It's new, and it's been his best pitch so far, and he's had gotten good results. So, uh, I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. I'm not making a move for him, but Antonio Sensatella, I am monitoring his progress with that curveball. So, Gausman... Definitely paying attention to and Sensatella to a lesser extent, but uh, on the radar, it's just the odds are against him pitching in Colorado. Jesus Aguilar, someone I teased before we hit the break. I don't know if we can confidently say that he is back yet, but he is doing things differently this year than he's ever done before. And not just during his breakout season. He had two more hits on Sunday, including a two-run homer off of Jacob deGrom, who is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And entering Sunday... He was striking out just 23% of the time, 27% line drive rate, 41% fly ball rate, and a 51% hard contact rate. And his StatCast page has a lot of red. Scott, I'm, I was pretty, I'm pretty bullish on him right now. I rushed out and picked him up in a, in a couple of leagues today. He's 27% rostered on CBS. Is Aguilar back, Scott? I'm not ready to say yes, but I think it's probably an appropriate time to pick him up just in case. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked the data two years ago, obviously, when he, I, I was buying into him heading into last year. I was buying that 2018 as a breakout, and obviously he didn't deliver on it, but uh, he, did, he still did some things really well last year. The walk-to-strikeout ratio for a purported power hitter was still good. Uh, he didn't hit the ball as hard. And uh, it, it, it seemed to have an exaggerated impact on his numbers. Like, I'm, I'm more curious about what went wrong for Aguilar last year at this point than I am maybe what's going on with him this year, which is bouncing back. So the, the tough thing is he's played, what, 10 games? Yeah. And so he has an even Nine, smaller sample ten. size. And uh, it's not like he's, when you look at, like, the plate discipline data, you know, he is not striking out at all, but he's, swinging at pitches at basically the same pace uh, inside the zone and outside of the zone. So it's not like he's, you know, decided to stop pitching, hit, swinging at pitches that he can't hit. Uh, he's just making contact now. And maybe, but, he but just, like he had a low strikeout rate last year. Too, right, right, not right. This but, low, but. right, right. But that's yeah. 13% would be like, he, he would be a must start player. Altuve. He, 13% uh, yeah. power hitter. So yeah. that I'm not quite buying, but you know, yeah, you should add him. I, I've got him in a couple of places, and I'll be starting him probably. It's um, yeah, he he's showing enough right now that it's definitely worth uh, taking a look at. He's batting third. Um, not a great lineup. Even when they were winning games, they weren't doing much uh, offensively. But 
Yeah, I, I think, yeah, go ahead, Jesus Aguilar. I, look, I've got to start someone for Paul Goldschmidt, and it's either in, in a couple leagues, it's either him or CJ Crone who I'm going with. Well, Chris, are you more excited about what Aguilar has done to this point or Miguel Cabrera, who has five hits over his last three games? And it seems crazy because he's very old, but three of those hits on Saturday, uh, he had three of those hits on Saturday, and one of them was a home run, and his his batted ball data on StatCast is, is great right now as well. Granted, it's small yep. sample size. I mean, the thing with Miguel Cabrera is he never stopped hitting the ball hard, even when he was bad, like... In 2018, tiny sample size, he had a 94-mile-per-hour average exit velocity. 2019, he was 90.3, 44.7% hard contact rate. Uh, the problem for Miguel Cabrera, and this is something that I think you know, Saris pointed out, I believe he has the... I want to get the number or the stat correct. I believe it was the deepest average infield alignment of any player in baseball, uh, and that's just because he's really slow, and you can play deeper when the guy that you're trying to throw out is really slow. And so I think that's going to be a drag on his BABIP and his batting average. Um, and I think that will explain why he's he seems likely to underperform his very, very good expected uh, stat numbers as a result of that. Um, but there's probably not nothing there. I think I would rather have Aguilar, though. You'd rather have Aguilar. Uh, how about... A few other first basemen that have kind of popped up recently. Mitch Moreland, it seems like this happens every year. There's always a stretch where he like just hits a bunch of home runs. He had a double dong on Sunday. He now has six home runs. Um, Scott, any interest in Mitch Moreland? No, he's. I think he started... Uh, he, yeah, He's not playing even close to every day. Basically just a platoon player who's off to a hot start, like you said. And... Yeah, I know who Mitch Moreland is. I'm not interested. He always hits righties well. If you're in a deeper daily league and you know when he's going to face a right-handed pitcher, yeah, you, you could probably use him, but that's a lot of work. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, Scott, how about this name? You know, probably in shallower leagues, someone you could look at. And a name that we brought up last week but continued hitting well over the weekend is Renato Nunez, who's batting two seventy three with five homers. I actually consider dropping Reese Hoskins in one league for Renato Nunez, and I, I just can't tell if that's too reactionary or not. Oh man, I don't think I, I don't think I'd do that. I don't have any shares of Reese Hoskins, so I don't know. I, I can't I can't share in that experience of how frustrating it must be. Uh, but I mean, Renato Nunez, he was good last year. There was some skepticism about it coming into this year. I think that skepticism has been. Uh, been eliminated and he's a solid power hitter he's not a stud and uh, i would personally have trouble starting him in any league that didn't have the corner infield spot you know the larger roto lineup but it, he's going to provide you with some power that's that's obviously useful you would hoskins oh sorry what would you scott would you rank renato nunez ahead of aguilar and miguel cabrera right now no uh, I'd rank them between them. I'd go Aguilar, Nunez, and yeah. then Cabrera. Okay. Chris, what were you going to say? Uh, Reese Hoskins is just apparently trying to win a war of attrition with pitchers right now. He is just, he is some kind of protest against uh, his bat. He has just refused to swing. He has like a 34% <laughs> swing rate. He has changed his swing profile. Uh, yeah. it, it's not good still, but it's like, you know, it's like a 25% walk rate. <laughs> 29% walk rate. Oh my God. He is just, he refuses. He is just, I'm just going to just, just walk me. The law of averages. <laughs> it was only a matter of time for some of these players. Ronald Acuna had five hits on Sunday, including two homers, no, three homers, rather. Two homers in one game, but he had three homers total in the doubleheader on Sunday. Uh, Christian Yelich has now homered in three of his last four games. Guys, I traded him and Matthew Boyd for Clayton Kershaw and Austin Meadows. In our head-to-head -head points podcast league, great to trade. Uh, wouldn't have done it. Um, but Matthew Boyd stinks. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, you got you got two players you're probably going to start every week, but you gave up Yelich. In which league was it? The 16 teamer or the 12 teamer? The 12 team head-to-head -head points league. Yeah, that's. I just lost Charlie Morton, so I I guess it kind of helps. 
Uh, I, I made the trade before that, but I will, I'll be generous and say C minus. Oh gosh, well Scott really <laughs> doesn't like it. All right, Fran Mill Reyes, uh, six hits over his last three games. Uh, he had a second home run on Saturday, so I hope you didn't drop uh, Fran Mill Reyes, especially in some of those five outfielder leagues. Some people are we're just freaking out about names like Reyes and and Chris Davis with a K. Uh, but Fran Mill Reyes looks like he's coming around. Someone else who looks like he's coming around, uh, Byron Buxton who is on a six-game hitting streak and has now homered in three of his last four games. So I don't think that he's floating around. I think he's like 80% owned in CBS leagues. But someone tweeted me asking today if I if they should pick up Byron Buxton. And yeah, I think if, he, if he's available in any of those leagues, you probably should. Yeah, I mean, his strikeout rate is up in the early going. Uh, hasn't stolen a base, but you know the, the steals should come. He is someone in your in a roto league, especially if he's out there. Uh, I, I don't think you want him in a three outfielder head-to-head points league, but if he's out there in a roto league, yeah, I think you should add him. Some bullpen notes from the weekend, guys. Uh, Taylor Williams picked up his third save of the season on Sunday. I know that you know Dan Altavia picked up a save maybe two weeks ago. Carl Edwards picked up a save last yeah. week. So the closer carousel the continues for the Seattle Mariners, Scott. And, of course, in our other podcast league, I dropped Trevor Williams for Miguel Castro. We got to say Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards seems like such an easy solution here. Like he was, he was billed as the closer of the future with the Cubs had the kind of numbers to support that. Uh, ran into some arm troubles last year, no longer on the Cubs. Like why was he not the answer all along? So I, I blew some fab dollars on him this week and then Trevor Williams, Taylor Williams. What's Ta- Williams first name? Taylor, Taylor Williams. Yep. Yeah. He comes right back with this save. Struck out three in an inning and a third, and uh, still looks like the front runner there for the Mariners. Though I wouldn't be surprised if someone else got a save next time. I do think, I do think we're starting to see things come together for the Royals here, uh, because uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting his name. Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rosenthal got a save on back-to-back days, Friday and Saturday. They did have Scott Barlow get the save on Sunday, but you know that's partly because Trevor Rosenthal had already worked back-to-back days. I assume that's the main reason. Matheny's still playing this close to the vest. He's still including Ian Kennedy as a potential closer option, even though he's come nowhere close to working that situation. I, I, think, I think Trevor Rosenthal is the unspoken closer now for the Royals. And uh, any, anywhere where you need saves, he's the guy. He's the guy you want there. I would say the same although, thing about yes, Scott. Although he wasn't the biggest saves choice to emerge this weekend because we have a defined closer for Texas now. In Rafael, Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero. He is the closer. He got two saves over the weekend and looked good doing it. Uh, I saw, I think in Tout Wars, my Tout Wars League, a 15-team Roto League, he went for $500. Somebody spent (laughs) half their fab budget on it. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember who it was, but I think I saw them tweet that it was their largest fab bid in Tout Wars and they've ever made in Tout Wars. They got him. They got him. So I hope he sticks (laughs) uh, for their sake. And, you know, to the the degree we can expect any newcomer closer to stick, I think Rafael Montero's chances are pretty good. So like that, that is worth a big fat bid. I don't know that I'd spend 50% of my fat budget on him, but it's, it's worth a big bid for him. One interesting thing with him is he was recovering. He was coming back from an elbow issue. I think that he had in at the start of the season. Um, he hasn't thrown his slider yet. I think he, according to baseball savant, he's thrown one. So uh, he used that 14% of the time, had a 39% whiff rate. So something to watch there. He's been much more fastball heavy, but it's obviously only a, you know what? Two outings, I think three. So, you know that's that's just something I noticed. Trevor Gott also looks like the closer for the Giants. He picked up his fourth save on Saturday night. Sean Doolittle allowed back-to-back home runs on Saturday. Daniel Hudson in the same inning allowed a three-run homer, and he took the blown save and the loss in that game. I would still believe that Daniel Hudson is the guy because he has just pitched much better than Sean Doolittle all season. Joe Jimenez, three earned runs on Friday. He blew the save, uh, bounced back on Sunday, picking up a save in a one-run game. Edwin Diaz. Friday, he pitched in the top of the ninth with the team down 4-3. to three. And then on Sunday, he pitched the top of the eighth. And then Seth Lugo came in for the in, in the ninth for the save. 
and has the Mets' last three saves. I'm starting to think that Seth Lugo is the guy here, Scott. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have said it before today. I Edwin Diaz's past few outings had gone well. I thought he was trending toward being put back in that role and that the Mets didn't really want Seth Lugo in it. Uh, but he set up for Seth Lugo today. One out, a traditional one out, one inning save for Seth Lugo. Edwin Diaz worked the eighth. So, um, you know, I, I would be hesitant to dump Edwin Diaz in a save where you're constant, a, a league where you're constantly pursuing saves. But right now, it does appear that Lugo has the leg up. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything from the bullpen. Uh, Nick Anderson picked up a save on Saturday, came in for one out against Aaron Judge with a runner on first base. Oliver Drake's on the I.L. Oliver he, Drake is on the I.L. He went like a week between appearances and uh, appeared Saturday and then went on the I.L. after the game. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure it won't be Nick Anderson getting the majority of the saves there for the time being. Though with with the Rays, of course, you can never expect yeah. it to be one just one guy. I would definitely take the field. Yeah, but I'm not sure if there was if there's a specific pitcher I would name. Get ready for uh, Chaz Rowe for the next five save opportunities yeah. for the Tampa Bay. <laughs> I, I would expect that if there are three saves for Tampa Bay in their next three games, they will go to three different pitchers. All right, guys. The last thing that I will add from the weekend is that Manny Machado had a double dong on Sunday and now has more home runs than Giancarlo Stanton. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.